Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to this episode of Leadership Stars. And I'm wondering, you know, do you feel that you are all alone at the top as a business owner and entrepreneur? And it's really lonely out there, uh, as far as I can see. Um, It really doesn't have to be, though. Um, You're really not alone. And you can get through the overwhelm and the stress of that feeling of being all by yourself and that there's no one up there with you. Um, And we're going to take it today from a serial entrepreneur with decades of knowledge and experience about the challenges of owning a business. And I've had a few minutes to spend with her as well as look at her website and get some real depth about what she does. And she's a fascinating woman. She has a fascinating background of success, failures, lessons learned, and really the common challenges that most company founders face. So I'm delighted to have the unique and fabulous Pam Wasley with us here today. Pam, welcome. Thanks, Linda. I'm honored to be on your show today. Oh, it's a delight. Um, Pam, would you mind just giving the audience a quick um, sort of history of how you got to where you are today? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the thumbnail sketch. When you said decades, I'm like, whoa, yeah, it has been decades. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, my first business was when I was uh, 25 years old. I just was bored. I was working for a corporate America company, and I just I had I worked for three days. The other two days, I really didn't have a whole lot to do because I was meeting all my goals. So I yeah. started a retail business. Um. So from there, I went into back to corporate America for a little bit, and then I started up a telecommunications company, and that was oh, that was awesome because it was right during the peak of telecommunications when everyone was trying to put in enough internet lines for everyone to connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was awesome. Uh, so that was quick, very quick growth there. And then uh, after that, I started Sirius uh, with six other co-founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2011, um, my COO at the time and I decided to buy out the company. Um, when you're when you're one of seven co-founders, and you also have 35 shareholders, oh. it's it's really tough to run a company because everybody has their fingers in it. So mm-hmm. it was really a good thing that we bought the company out in 2011. And we've done some really cool stuff with it since and had some wonderful growth. So well, we're really excited where it is today. Well, Pam, I have to say that having, what, six co-founders and 35 shareholders surely sounds like herding cats. Is that how you sort of felt about that period of time? Oh, yes. And you talk about stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't like politics. I don't play politics very well. And trying to politically do the right things to make sure everybody stayed happy, I, oh, it was just plain stressful. So one key way, audience, for you to get out of stress is to own your own company and not be beholden necessarily to a huge bunch of shareholders and um, other founders, right? 
Well, <laughs> I wish I could say that too. You know, being an entrepreneur, being having your own business has its own stresses. So uh, they're just different. They are very much so. So um, as most entrepreneurs know, not all ventures are successful ones. And I'm sure you've learned from your failures because I'm sure you do not repeat the mistakes of the past, right? Oh, you know, that's one thing I try never to do. Have I ever not? I don't know. I probably have repeated some, but I do try to learn those big, you know, lessons that you that you learn. And it, and you know, every every CEO out there thinks that their issues, their failures, their stress is, you know, their own. Nobody else is experiences experiencing this, and no one can help me. Well. Absolutely, people can help you. Your right. peers can help you. A mentor can help you. A coach can help you. There's, there's definitely ways for you to relieve that, that stress. So don't mm-hmm. think you're the only ones out there. Fabulous. And so I wanted you to t- tell us uh, just a little bit about some of your less than successful ventures and what you've learned from them. Well, you know, I can't say anything was a failure, failure. Um, you know, lessons I learned, you mm-hmm. know, in, when I was in the retail business, um, I'll tell you a funny story. I started the business because it was a void in the marketplace. There was no businesswoman uh, clothing store to go to except for um, big department stores at mm-hmm. the time. So I started a business where it was mostly businesswoman's clothing. And, you know, I, I loved growing the business. I loved, you know, getting the capital, doing the buying, uh, putting everything together, hiring the people. In fact, I stole um, the store manager for one of the big department stores. Wow. So I was really riding a wave there. But what I learned from that was I didn't like dealing with the, with the public. <laughs> With oh, the consumer. Uh-huh. So I would be in a store and a woman would come in and she says, and she would say, I just bought that blouse two weeks ago and now it's on sale. I want to either return this and pick up a new one for the lesser price or you can just give me the difference in price. <laughs> and you could see my blood pressure go way up and my store manager would run over to where I was and she says, Pam, I'll take care of this. <laughs> So I, you know, I, I learned that that just wasn't, retail was not the business for me, which is really interesting because um, in my family, I had a sister that went into retail and she was really good at it. So I guess it's not in the genes for me to, to like that part. <laughs> I guess not. So do you have specific advice for our audience um, as to who might find themselves in similar situations of you know, something didn't quite go as successfully as they expected and either they moved on to another business or they're looking to, well, how do I take that next step then? How do I leverage up uh, and not make that same mistake again? Yeah, um, you know, I, I ended up selling the business, which is which was good um, because I, I don't try to run something you're not passionate about. And again, it was the startup. It was getting it where it needed to be and growing and then I was like, boy, there's a lot of things about this business I just don't like. <laughs> so, <laughs> plus it's it's not as, as exciting as it was growing it. So, it was, so I, I, I knew that I couldn't continue to do that because it would just be a waste of my talents. It's, it, it wasn't in me to continue it. So, 
I went off and again, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do next. So I went back to corporate America and, you know, started to work for, for other companies. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the telecommunications opportunity raised its head and I thought, wow, this is even cooler. And that was fun. It was a great business. It was, um, you know, we did all the installations for Sprint and Verizon and SBC and Lucent, Nortel. I mean, we, we just, it was a ball. We had a mm-hmm. great team. So, you know, it, it's a big difference between something you're passionate about and something that you're not. Mm-hmm. So when I started this company, which actually was by accident. Yeah. Because literally, I was trying to decide what my next venture or what I was going to do next. And um, that's when six of my buddies came around and said, hey, let's start a consulting firm. And I thought, okay, well, I'm already doing a little bit of consulting because a couple of my old clients have come back and they said, Pam, we know you're bored, so how about doing some <laughs> consulting for us? And I said, sure. So I thought, okay, well, you know, no problem. Well, I don't, I'm not quite sure how I became CEO. I think it's because I didn't step back when they said, anyone who wants to be CEO, step forward. I think everybody else stepped back and I didn't. I'm that's, not really sure how, how that came about. I would say that's that's the true military way. Yeah. You stand in line and, and they say, I need a volunteer and everybody steps back and there's one person who doesn't move quick enough and exactly. they become the volunteer. Exactly. So I think that's how it came about. And after a year and a half, I hated that model. And I learned from my first venture, don't do something you absolutely hate. So I said, we got to find a different model. So I went researching different different models using, you know, really high level executives. Mm-hmm. And I ran across this um, model over in Europe, which was this interim executive management model. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool. It was really, you put people in on an interim and part-time basis, and they really became part of the management team. I mean, they made decisions. They actually had an impact on the company, which consultants don't really have an impact on companies today. They just put out plans and they kind of help, but they don't get any decision making out of it. So, but uh, interim executives do, they're part of the decision making. So it was kind of a cool model. And when we switched over to that model in 2008, it was like a switch turned on. It was awesome. So again, you know, Make sure that what you're doing, it's something that you're passionate about because, it, again, it's just not worth doing unless it's something that you really, really want to do. Pam, I so agree with you on that because there is so much work in owning your own business and being an entrepreneur no matter what the, uh, the area of expertise is. I always found it sort of amusing when uh, individuals would start their own hair salon or nail salon or electricians or carpenters or whoever they might be because they felt, uh, you know, I'm giving all this money away to the owner. I could do this on my own. I don't, I don't need that structure. And what they often find is that they're working three times, four times as hard because not only do they have to do the work uh, that they were doing for someone else, but they also have to do all that backroom stuff, um, all the, the accounting and the bids and the collections and everything else that goes along with having your own business. And I have had so many of them step up and say, you know, I didn't sign up for all this. I wanted <laughs> to just be able to do my work and to have more time with my family. And somehow it didn't quite work out that way. So I, th- I think you're absolutely right. You have to be passionate uh, about what you do and recognize the fact that there is there are a lot of moving parts in 
an entrepreneurship business that perhaps you don't necessarily see if you're working for someone else, right? Exactly. And if you don't have a lot of funding when you start up, um, you know, we we actually had funding when we started up, but still there were things that we all had to do that weren't exactly what we loved to do. Yeah. Um, but I kind of solved that problem. Now, this is not for everyone, so I'm, I'm going to explain you know, what I did. But again, I I caution others about this. So what I did on this one is I had my COO and I, we bought the company together. But don't think that I I randomly selected her as my 50-50 partner because I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, What happened is we were working at a nonprofit. I was the chairman of the board and she was the treasurer. We worked so well together that I hired her to open up our Washington, D.C. office, and she did a fabulous job. And so we ended up buying the company together because the cool thing about my business partner is she loves to do the things that I don't like to do. So all the back office stuff, all the detail, all the processes, that is her love. Me, on the other hand, I love the vision, the strategy, the face of the company, the Mm -hmm marketing, the sales, customers. So we both play to our strengths, which is really cool. Now, the thing I caution at there is do not pick your partner randomly because if you don't do your due diligence, work with them, put them on a project, make sure you know them. And I don't mean know your family member or know your best (laughs) friend because that's a dangerous place to go as well. Make sure you you work with them, really worked together, mm-hmm. and then make that decision because I see a lot of companies, we work with a lot of companies that are family owned and, and privately owned, and mm-hmm. oh, the partnerships, the troubles between the two partners, or sometimes there's three partners, is awful. I mean, they literally hate each other, but yet they have to keep going because they own the business. And when one wants to be bought out, the others don't want to pay what that person wants, oh, it gets ugly. So there's all sorts of things you need to think about before you take on a partner. Absolutely. And I I think something else that you said that was really key is you and your partner have different strengths. So you did not bring on a partner who did exactly what you did and loved exactly what you loved, but instead you brought on someone who completed you who complemented your skills and passions so that both of you could run in in harness in essence together and not keep pulling in you know one direction or whatever or having as you said challenges with um, but I don't want to do it that way or but I want to do this project and you and you going oh no 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 it's my project um, so I love the fact that you actually um, took that advice of hiring and bringing on and partnering with someone who does stuff you don't like. And it really makes a stronger partnership. I couldn't have said it better, Linda. I mean, that is truly a fact. And you just, you need need to pay attention to things like that before you go into a partnership. Yeah, I I think in a lot of cases for entrepreneurs especially, you hire people who are like you because you know, they, they make some sense with you. And then you realize that they keep wanting to do what you do. And it's like, well, no, oh, yes. I, and because you won't give it to them, they leave and you're left with not, you know, no one, a void. Um, and so you're still not getting the stuff done that you need to get done. So uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, I wanted to, to talk just real quickly 
um, about how you raise that $110,000 seed money to start serious. We've got a couple minutes. Yeah, we just went out to investors um, uh, with what we call PPM, a private memorandum, and we raised capital for the company. It was, and it, you know, it was mostly people that liked the business. Uh, some of them were actually some of the executives that we placed um, in Sirius. So mm-hmm. uh, it was just people that are inter- very interested in our model, and we did that pretty quickly. We did it in about six months. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty impressive. And is that how you got your 35 shareholders? Yes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes it very interesting. Okay, so audience, we're going to take a quick break here. And I want you to think about what Pam has been talking about. Um, you need to be passionate about your business. Otherwise, getting into it, you're going to find it to be a, a terrible drudge. And you're going to hate going to work every day and having to work with whatever it is that you have. So passion is important. So is bringing on individuals who complete you and are not like you so that you, again, can keep that overwhelm and that stress down to uh, a manageable piece. So I want you, during the break, to take a moment and just reflect on what are the things that are working in your business and what are the things that are not working in your business that perhaps might wrap around either of those two concepts. And we'll be right back. The Voice America Women's Channel. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with Linda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dream with Linda.com. This is Voice America Women. We are leaders in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. 
That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars with my very fabulous guest, um, Pam Wasley. And Pam and I have been talking about um, being passionate about your um, business, no matter what it is. And if you're not, maybe find another one. Um, and, and again, making sure that your team complements you and does not um, look like you because it really can increase the overwhelm and the stress when you're both fighting for the same project. So, Pam, welcome back. Thanks, Linda. Okay, and okay, there were, I did some research on, on your website, um, which is something you know, I enjoy doing because I find out so many fascinating facts about the people who are on my show. And one of the things that I, I found was your virtual advisory board platform, which is a cutting edge, to say the least. And I had no idea that there was something like this uh, e- that even existed. So I suspect it's probably something that might be a new concept for our audience as well. So if you wouldn't mind, please first break it down, and then I'm going to ask you two more questions after you do that. Okay. So the advisory platform is for companies. It can They can be any size, but it's typically for small to maybe up to about a hundred million. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they come there because they need a specific piece of expertise and they don't really know who to go to for it. And it could be a CEO that has gotten the advice from his executive team and he just, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't think those answers are the right answers and he wants to look for something else from an expert and he doesn't mm-hmm. know who to go to. So he goes onto our platform and this is, it's really easy. I mean, you you put in what you're looking for. You just put in the, the words that pretty much describe what it is that you're looking for, the expertise. Mm-hmm. And up pops, you know, the, the top five to 10 people. And literally you have your choice. You get to see what their backgrounds are. You get to see the results that they have produced for other companies because that's Mm -hmm. right out front. And then right there on the platform, within seconds, you can schedule an appointment to talk to them for half an hour, for a full hour, for a couple hours. I mean, literally, you can schedule everything right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe you get expert advice from one of the people on there. And then you think, oh, gosh, there's another guy that looks just as good. So then you set up one with the other guy so that now you get to compare the answers um, mm-hmm. and decide which one you want to use. But it's uh, it's a really cool platform, and a lot of companies use it today. And how did you come up with that particular idea? I know you said something about you were working or you were looking at Europe and their interim executive um, concept. Does this come out of that or was it something totally new? No, actually, actually, Europe is trying to copy us. I mean, oh. and there's there's a couple other companies. This this concept has been out there for about three to four years now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it, it just has come about because there's there's so many questions that CEOs have today that they want to be able to give you the advice quickly, mm-hmm. you know, when, where, when and where you need it. Uh, sometimes you don't need a consultant to come in and tell you, you know, something that'll take you three conversations with an expert. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, it's so there's this gives them another option to be able to get that information. So it's um, companies really like using it. Okay, and is is this a free service or are they? Is there a, an investment in it? Yeah, um, actually, the first one is free for them okay. just to kind of get a feel for what the platform's all about, and then the second one is one hundred and fifty dollars for an hour. Okay, but I'm telling you, where else can you go for an expert that is the top of his his industry and expertise? Mm-hmm. You'll never get that for 150 bucks an hour. Absolutely not. So you also, it would appear, also have interim executives that go into corporations and whatever still, yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. And so that that's like two different arms of what Sirius does. Two, two different pieces, absolutely. There's the advisory and then there's the interim and part-time placements of executives. Okay. And just out of curiosity, why was this something that... Um, you, you thought the market would be interested in? Because, well, it's because well, there's, there's a big reason for it. Is one, one of the things that we did just recently is we wrote a book called um, How I Fired My Boss and Made More Money. The yes. reason we wrote that book is because since the first day we opened our doors back in 2005, we, we've been getting the same questions from executives Mm -hmm. about the same things. You know, how do I price my services? How do I set up my entity? How do I, you know, get clients? How do I market my services? I mean, same questions. Mm -hmm. So same thing on the CEO side. We're getting some of the same questions. Now, sometimes there's more detail to it, but we're finding that the CEOs have just as many questions as the interim executives. So after we wrote the book, we we went in at the same time we were developing this advisory platform, put it out there to kind of test it. Mm-hmm. And CEOs love it. I mean, the CEOs all over the world use it. It is, in fact, it is not just used here in the United States. And I'd probably venture to say about 25% of the people that go to the advisory platform are international. I love it. Um, because business owners, even though we think our problems are unique, our challenges are unique, and that no one else has this, there is a common thread that runs through those challenges, isn't there? Um, um, among CEOs? Among CEOs, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, again, everybody thinks their their problems or issues are their own. You know, nobody else yeah, is experiencing them. Mm. But I'm telling you, it it really it's the same things. Now, again, sometimes you need a little bit more in depth answer. Yeah. But typically, you know, just the answer that you give one person is good. Now, I'll, I'm going to change that answer by, by the next step. But however, when a CEO <laughs> decides that that person has given them some great information, a lot of times they want to go to the next step. Mm-hmm. The next step obviously has to be customized to their business. Right. So you do need to come out with something that is probably a different answer for one CEO to the next. Mm-hmm. But the initial answer, they're all pretty close. So what you're saying is we do struggle with the same challenges. It's the um, the intervention that, is customized and different for each business, yeah? Exactly, exactly. Okay. okay, so what are some of the most common business situations, challenges that you see? <laughs> yeah, so... so um, That's a loaded question, right? I, I'm, my company is very profitable, but yet I have no cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that one. 
Oh, so uh, it's amazing, you know, how many times we get that question and, you know, going through their, just looking through their finances and, you know, doing a cash flow analysis very quickly shows them why they're not making any money. Could be you're not collecting in your accounts receivables. You're, it could be that you're, you're spending more money and you're just trying to look at your P&L to, to, to figure out what cash flow is. I mean, there's some really underlying, some simple underlying causes that, mm-hmm. that, that make that happen. So that's one. Another one is, how, how do I hire the best talent? Uh, oh, and it's yeah. typically right around sales. I don't know one company anywhere. I don't care what industry you're in. I don't know one company that doesn't have a hard time hiring great salespeople. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's it's just a hard position to fill. So we get that question a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would I would say yes to both of those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been in business for 31 years, so three decades and uh, you know same same sort of thing I've, I've gotten better about not looking at just the PL um, and looking at when does the money come in and where does it come in and, and that kind of thing so we're in better shape than I would say um, we were about five years ago and then uh, yeah finding finding salespeople um, there there are a number of things that I, and I'm, I don't perceive myself as being an, an expert salesperson, um, but trying to find somebody who, um, actually not trying, looking for somebody who actually loves sales and is good at it, it can be a challenge. It, so it, I, 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 re- I resonate with both of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we've already asked you the mistakes that you made as a business owner, and we talked about passion um, and that you've grown from. So I think we're we're good there. But I guess my question is: Have you know what challenging situations have you had to work through in your career? Uh, any areas in particular you're looking for, or what? Can you what, take that question a little bit further? <laughs> a, a, a little bit more fine tuned. Um, I guess I'm I'm looking for. Um, how you've used your own challenges to um, to know what experts to bring on your platform and to know how to find those people. You know, in essence, what would the business owner need in order to overcome some of the struggles that you've had in the past? Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, when we when we first started. This business, you know, obviously we had just the seven of us. Um, mm-hmm. We built just it. Yeah. Just the seven of us. <laughs> yeah, just the yeah. seven of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we have something like 8,700 people across the United States and Canada. So um, this has been a very um, slow and fine-tuned process. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first start, you, you, you're really not sure what parameters you want to look for that will equal the best interim executive mm-hmm. or the best top talent. And, and by the way, you can be the best in your industry and be a terrible interim executive. Right. So let me kind of describe the differences, which we found out over time. Mm-hmm. So the executives that are very project-oriented, they're very results-oriented, they are all about we instead of I, they are very hands-on, they're not delegating to everybody around them and sitting in their chair. 
Um, they are, um, you know, they get along in most cultures, most companies. Um, those are the people that we strive for. And, and obviously, we look at their skill sets to make sure that they are at the top of their game, the, they are as good as they say they are. So we background check, we reference check, we also assess for leadership and cultural fits. And then we we go through their resumes to make sure that what they say they can do, <laughs> they actually can do. Because we all know that everybody tends to stretch their resume just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we've learned, I mean, literally, it's it's funny. Um, most of the people that talk to the executives, you know, when they first talk to them, in with that, within five minutes, they can go, nope. This guy's never going to make it, or this this woman is just not what we're looking for. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, we have identified certain questions that will identify, you know, whether they're going to be a good interim executive. Now, as far as the side for the client, mm-hmm. you know, making sure we match there, we we use uh, assessment testing. We use the assessment where the the executive first comes in, we assess them for leadership and and cultural fits, and then we have a piece for the client. Mm-hmm. And they also fill out a um, assessment test for uh, that's based on analytics, AI. I mean, it, it's got a lot of great information that literally comes back into our system and can pull the top five people in that client's region and the skill sets, the cultural fit, the leadership style that they're looking for. So mm-hmm. that has helped us tremendously go for, from just looking at our database, trying to find the right person to this tool that now does that for us. That sounds really um, comprehensive uh, and and such that you would you would know you would make almost perfect matches between the client and your interim executives. Is that true? Yes, and and you know the the cool thing is, and I'll go back to my business partner. Um, she's made all this happen. She's mm. uh, all into processes, but now with technology the way it is today, we have automated as much as we possibly can in the background. So, literally, our salespeople have have it so easy today. They they everything that they used to have to do and a lot of writing and keeping track of and whatever is a lot mm-hmm. of that's automated. So it's it's. It really has helped their company grow faster because now they can answer more calls, they can go after more business, uh, and on the side of the the uh, internal staff, they can get it done quicker too because of all the technology. Fantastic. Um, I have a question though about leadership. So, what kind of leadership skills do you look for in your executives coming into the organization? We've got about two minutes, so we can carry it on after. Okay. Uh, okay. So leadership skills, again, we look for that hands-on, um, a leader that is more of a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, that really, that they can't be bluffed because they do, are very hands-on, but yet they're not wanting to do the job for this, for their employees. They want to make sure that they transition their knowledge over to the employees that are internal in that company. So, they just they just love sharing information. They love to make an impact. They like to do it quickly, so they always put out goals that everybody mm-hmm. has to meet and hold them accountable. All right, I love all of that. <clears throat> so, um, you you have a good blend of men and women in your organization as well in in this these positions. <laughs> I wish I could say that. No, I think 
25%, it's even probably a little bit less, is, is women and then okay. uh, are women, and then the rest are men. So it's, it is hard getting a lot of women to go into interim management today. Okay, and we'll talk more about that in the next section. So we're looking for leaders who are hands-on, who like to mentor, who can't be bluffed, um, who love transferring knowledge from themselves to others. Um, they share information they have an impact, and they definitely set goals, all great leadership qualities. So think about that and think about where you are in that leadership scheme, and we'll be right back. Voice America Women, your passion starts here. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur let leadership expert linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team build your influence and create the thriving business of your dreams Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, lead with Linda.com. This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars and my just awesome guest, Pam Wasley. Um, Pam and I have been talking about um, executives and the kinds of skills that they need to really be successful. Uh, we talked about leadership and the aspects that really work well in the interim executive world. And then I asked Pam the question, so how many women versus men do you have on 
on contract, and her answer was 25% are women, approximately. And as you all know, um, only 10% of our elected officials right now are women. Um, Only about 15% of the top C-suite and... Uh, executive positions are held by women, um, and that's that, those t- statistics really haven't changed in probably a decade. So, Pam, your thoughts about why women are not stepping up and stepping into these roles? Um, well, when it comes to interim executive positions, my guess on that would be because one of our requirements is you have to have been at least a vice president at a company for a minimum of five to six years. I mean, not a small company because small companies, everybody's a vice president. Right. So it has to be a, you know, a good size, hundred million or above company. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, if you, th- if you think about that, you'll realize that you know, women are just making it into the higher positions, whether it's a VP level, whether it's a, you know, COO, CFO, CMO, you know, chief people officer, you know, they're just making it into those roles now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only profession that I see that has a plethora of women is HR. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the men are starting to make inroads into HR now. So it's it's a little bit reverse. So 75% women, 25% uh, men there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in every other functional area, it's typically, you know, uh, the, the reverse of that. So I, again, some of our requirements, I think they're just are less women. Maybe they're director level, but they haven't made it up to the VP level. Um, and if they have made it up to the VP or C level, they typically don't want to go into interim roles. They want mm-hmm. to stay, they want to continue to move up in their careers in that company. Mm-hmm. I mean, they worked hard to get where they are and they don't want to go off on their own um, after all the long, hard work that they've done. So right. I think that's one of the main reasons. I mean, the people that we do have, you know, the average age in our in our database of, you know, uh, 8,700 people is, is about 46, 47. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think that, you know, uh, men have been doing it longer and they just have, you know, they've had those V and and C-suite positions and Mm -hmm. a lot of them have, you know, they've sold their company, they've retired early um, or they, you know, just really want to go out on their own because their skill set is so scarce and they know that they'll be in demand. Mm -hmm. Women, again, I, I don't think they've had the advantage of the positions in the past. I think that's that's very true. I think also, although I, I tell you one industry that you would have found a whole lot of women VPs for long periods of time is banking. Um, we used to say, uh, here, here, you know, they're a dime a dozen, here's 20 cents, I'll take two dozen, um, because there were so many women. And most of them were in HR, but many of them were on the, on the platform, you know, credit side or the operations side, depending upon, um, you know, what their, their background was. So I would say in banking, at least... 31 years ago, um, there were a plethora of women vice presidents who'd been in that role for a while. Um, I'm not, like I said, I don't know how it is now because I've been out for um, a fairly long time. Uh, I think also we, we have the, we as women have the the genetic heritage of we need we need to support, we need to be perfect, we need to know 100% of the job before we can possibly take it. And we really want somebody to recognize that we want the job. We're not going to step up and say, I want this. I I deserve this or whatever it might be. And I think that also hinders us from 
getting what we want, um, getting the positions that we want, the experience that we want, the mentors that we need and that kind of thing because we expect to be recognized and we don't put up our hand and say, I want that job. I want that opportunity. I want that position. Um, I want to be lead on this project. I have the skills. I can do that. And I think that's that's part of what's going on. I think we're beginning to recognize that if we are going to step into those C-suites and that kind of thing, that we need to um, be more visible and be more vocal about what we want. Would you agree? Yeah, and, and uh, Yes. and uh, But I, th- I think actually I, I see women really making inroads. I mean, mm. it, you know, the positions that I see women in now are, I see them a lot, of, lot more in the C-suite yeah, um, I'm seeing them take over as CEOs of companies that I never would have thought that they'd have a woman at the helm. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been kind of nice. Now the boards, uh, the board of directors have you know they've made it their their goal to bring more women on the board, which I think is is great. It does add that you know the, you know men and women come at things from a different angle, and I think it's a nice. Um, transition when you can have women looking at it from uh, from a different perspective than the men and you come out with better decisions actually and it's proven by the way there are actual facts to that but mm-hmm. I but I just noticed in the last year that some companies have because they're they're shaking up their boards of directors because mm-hmm. they just haven't done a really good job that they're they're shaking out the ones that have just joined them and a lot of the women are falling out so ah. I hope that doesn't continue because I really think that, you know, having women, it doesn't necessarily have to be 50-50, but you need to have a good representation of women on your board mm-hmm. to bring that whole perspective that men just don't have. Yeah, I think we also play that that delicate dance between, you know, using a, a lot of our feminine qualities, the collaboration, the cooperation, this kind of thing, and being too harsh on the masculine side. In, in other words... Um, over, um, overstepping. You know how how you would see a man do this. Well, I'm going to be more of a man than he is, um, rather than using the what we blend so well between the masculine and the feminine, um, and that's what really makes us an asset coming into these organizations is the fact that we do look at things differently. Yeah, I've heard. Actually, it's funny because the the women that have taken that stance that you're talking about that mm-hmm. they go overboard. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many women that work for them and men hate them. I mean, they oh, yeah. just they it just doesn't come across well. So you you can't be a man. You have to use your own skills and talents that you're born with. So you know you're right. Exactly. And it, 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 you can't be Cruella de Vil. No. <laughs> That's right. But, but then again, you can't also be, um, you know, leave it to Beaver's mother either. You know, no. you, you need to find that, that business woman that embodies both sides because we, when we do that, we're really good at it. And we can bring the best out in boards of directors, C-suites, whatever it might be. So it's a question of, of not, what I say is it's not using your command voice because I come out of the military. So it's, it's rather using your influential leadership to bring people on board and to uh, recognize their ideas as well as your own. Uh, and exactly. I think that's that's really key. Okay. So, um, Pam, you have um, some resources that 
you know are available for entrepreneurs that really want to grow their business and to work through the challenges that we've been talking about. So what might be some of those resources that you recommend? Um, from us or just everywhere or? Oh, let's let's start with everywhere and then we'll 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 scale it down to from you specifically. Yeah, um, you know, for anyone that's starting their own business, you know, everybody, the first thing they think of is they have to raise capital from family and friends and maybe an SBA loan. But I'm telling you, there is so many other places that you can get money today. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowdsourcing. I mean, you look around, if, if you ask somebody that is knowledgeable in that area, again, that's where, you know, Go and ask people because they will give you, a, you know, just a plethora of, of areas where you now can raise capital for your business. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you need, you know, 100000 Sometimes you need, you know, a million. It, depending on what you need, there are, there are various sources that where you can go to get them today. So absolutely be using that. Um, and, you, and a lot of them are online platforms. Mm-hmm. All the crowdsourcing is online platform. So, you know, think about it and, again, go to an expert in that area to get help on all those resources. Or actually, you can even Google it today mm-hmm. and they'll come up with a whole bunch that you can look into. Don't we all love, love Google? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can find anything with Google um, as long as you put in the right words, right? Well, no, even it's so good <laughs> that you can put in the wrong words and it still comes up. It's sort of like, Google, what am I thinking? Oh, and th- uh, that that sort of drives me uh, a bit nuts with the, the you know, all the new um, talk to it kinds of, of oh, devices. Alexa. Alexa and, and all of those. And, you know, it, it's getting to a place where they're going to start telling you what you're thinking. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, you got self-driving cars, so why not have an advisor in your home? Right. The advisor, <laughs> no, you shouldn't eat that. You should have this instead. <laughs> anyway, um, so from your 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 company, I know you have a free gift for our audience. Would you like, in fact, several free gifts, but one one in particular? So, would you like to share that with the audience? Yes, I, I want to thank everyone that is listening today um, and give you guys something that you can actually take away with you. So, and we make this a very, very easy URL, and it's get serious. And serious is C E R I U S. So, getserious.com forward slash leadership stars. And at that site, you will find our book that we've just written last year, and it's free for for you to download. There's also great areas where you can get a checklist of, you know, how to have better cash flow, how to have better profitability, how to hire salespeople, um, how to, you know, how to bring your operations uh, bring better uh, processes into your operations. It's got a lot of great information. Mm-hmm. And feel free to download all of it if you like. Okay. So, audience, you've heard that. Plus, you can get it on our through our website um, on freeradiogift.com. And I, I really appreciate the fact you're giving uh, both of those things. What, what was the impetus for the book? Um, I, um, it was because of... This, we get we were getting the same questions all the okay. time from our executives, and we we are a very transparent company mm. because these are executives; these are senior level executives. So, and you know, they, we have anywhere from 
presidents of billion dollar companies on our site. So we needed to listen to them mm-hmm. and we needed to help them. So yeah. literally we put all the answers to the question in the book. Plus we took the the successful executives that were making well over a million dollars doing this interim work all year long. Mm-hmm. And we put their tips in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, it's it's an easy read. It's got lots of case studies in it. And it will help you answer all the questions that you have starting your business or even wanting to increase the growth. Fantastic. Now, Pam, I have one last question for you today. Um, the, the topic for this month was around uh, overcoming stress and overwhelm. And I'm sure you've got at least three tips for our listening audience about how to do that as an entrepreneur yeah. or a business owner. Yeah, my first one is the biggie because I had this. This is a mistake I had to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, make sure that you do not forget your family and your friends and your time. Schedule it on your on your calendar. Don't make it. Yeah, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden the day comes and you go, oh gosh, I don't have time for that because I have other things on my calendar. Put it on your calendar. Because if you do, then it's just like another appointment that you have. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of flow between the two, you know, going from work into, you know, family dinner or whatever. It really works. And I have to tell you, it goes a long way to keeping peace in your family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your friends from hating you. Yes. Uh, the next one is, um, you know, to keep yourself productive Make sure that you do a checklist or you do a list of things that you need to get done the next day. I mean, and prioritize them because sometimes you're not going to get them all done. So make sure you have the top three that you absolutely have to get done. That way you don't wake up in the morning going, oh, my gosh, what do I need to do? You already (laughs) know because you've done it the night before and you can just check them off. And don't panic if you don't get them all done. Again, just make sure you get your parties done. And the third is have time for quiet time. I mean, literally, I do that a couple ways. One is walking. I go out uh, in the morning walking or I go to the gym and literally it clears my mind. I business necessarily. I just kind of go with the day and enjoy the beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I also will make sure that, um, you know, I, I do have that quiet downtime, whether it's meditation, yoga. It just, again, get away sometimes because you need it. If, in the middle of the day, take a walk. Mm-hmm. But just make sure that you have quiet time because I'm telling you, I got some of my best ideas and I wasn't even thinking about my issue. And all of a sudden, an idea came to me when I was walking or when I was just sitting there meditating. I mean, it was awesome. That's fantastic. I love those three. So, audience, don't forget your self care. Don't forget your friends and family. Schedule it, put it on your calendar and hold it sacred. And then have a a, a list of the things that you need to get done. Prioritize them. Know what the top three are. And if you have to move them to the, the others to a later date because of whatever happened, it's still there and you can see it. I love the fact that you do it the night before. And yes, connect with nature. It's a great place to um, sort of get out of yourself. And it is surprising the things that came in, uh, come in when you do that walk in nature and just getting out and away. So Pam, based on all of these wonderful things, you've given my audience some great tips and things to think about. And I want to thank you for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to 
hear from you, please email me at Linda at Dare, the number two lead with Linda.com. And until next time, remember, be courageous and dare to lead. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.